Welcome to the Launchpad Jamf Admin Podcast hosted by Rocketman, where we keep you on the cutting edge of what's happening in the world of Apple and Jamf administration. Starting with the Launchpad Times, we bring your Apple and Jamf news down to earth and then go into a keynote where we take a deep dive into a relevant topic. Thanks, everyone. This is the Gravity Times, where your news is always down to earth. And first off, I want to go over some Jamf updates. Uh, we are now on 10.35. And if you're a Jamf Cloud customer, you are probably not updated to 10.35 yet. Uh, if you're an on-prem customer, you may have updated. We'll probably be getting that update sometime this week. I think it just dropped, um, uh, or sometime next week, I should say. I think it just dropped this week. Um, so to look at some of those updates, I'm just going to bring up some of the Jamf release notes. I can get out of this presentation. Uh, so I'm actually going to talk about 10.34 and 10.35 since they both came out within the last month. Um, some upgrade enhancements to the Google Secure LDAP integrations. Um, that's under the Cloud Identity Provider. Um, Jamf released that as an update a while back. Uh, so that's pretty cool if you want to do another some type of Cloud LDAP instead of integrating LDAP with a local server. Um, enhancements to download and download and install update command for computers. Um, so Jamf and Apple have been trying to move everyone in this direction of updating macOS via an MDM command. When this first came out, there wasn't a lot of features to it, especially when it came to like notifying your users that this was happening and allowing them to defer. None of that stuff was available. Um, in 10.34, it didn't give you the ability to defer or anything like that, but there's a lot of features coming. I'll talk about that with 10.35. Um, so this might actually be a viable way to update your users' computers in a way that's not going to like restart their computer randomly on them. Um, the rest of the updates here, um, some shared iPad enhancements. Uh, Jam Connect deployment redesign. They just redesigned the window to make a bit more sense in how it was working. Um, but all this is pretty cool because it's manually or automatically deploying and updating Jamf Connect, which is pretty sweet. Um, so we'll probably see more stuff like that with Jam Protect and Jam Connect when it comes to patch management for their own platforms. Um, and that's like, I, I've never actually used the Jam Parent and Jam teacher resources. Um, so that's pretty much all I wanted to point out for 10.34. 10.35 though has the really exciting feature, which I haven't been able to play with yet, um, but this allows us to defer those mass updates via an MDM command. So now this becomes something that we might actually start using in the future to update our users' computers. Um, so more on that later once we get to test it out and see what that looks like but it looks like you can defer it. The default deferral is seven times, which is seems pretty high. And then you can go anywhere from zero to 99 times, which I don't know why you would allow a user to defer something 99 times, but whatever, I guess it's built in there. Uh, more cloud identity provider enhancements, um, which is really just a redesign of the look, but really excited to see more stuff come in through here. Um, we've got Google, we got Azure AD, and it's really awesome to not have to, to get the, all the features of LDAP 
without having to integrate with a local AD server. Uh, bear authentication for classic API. Um, Chad, do you know what that is? I feel like you know what this is. I had to find my mute button. Um, it basically, this is talking about the idea of instead of like right now, what we have to do with the classic API or what we're currently doing with the classic API is either you have to pass it in a username or pass and password or do that hash as somebody in a training class called it, but it's really yeah. just taking your username, colon, password, and base64 encoding it. Now we'll be able to, instead of doing, what is that called? Authentication basic. Now we'll actually be able to create a token and authenticate that way. So it's a big security thing. I'm impressed that they're putting into the classic API. Awesome. I think they're realizing that their new API isn't, um, not everyone's using it. <laughs> It doesn't have the same features that the classic one has. So, well, that's that's really exciting um, that that's coming because I always like things that are more secure. Um, and that's, uh, that's basically it for what I kind of saw for the updates from 10.34 and 10.35. Um, I'll bring it, bring it back to the group though. Did anyone else have any additional Jamf updates that they've yeah, seen in the last month or two? I just threw it in the chat while you were saying it. The the 1035 cloud update is rolling out today and tomorrow for, for everybody. Oh, sweet. Um, and then you you did the ideas.jam. Actually, I think that might've gotten pushed back a week. No, I just talked to my success guy and he said it's happening starting at 3 a.m. Yeah, it was a little confusing because there was a cloud infrastructure maintenance that's happening. And next it was weekend, almost yeah. exactly the same time and that got pushed back a week probably because it collided with the the version upgrade yeah we were experiencing some issues today working in in some clients Jamf pro dashboards because of the update um, and i posted this schedule as well so if anybody ran into something funny today they couldn't change a setting that's why yeah so this is the install layer and max deferrals yeah, and that's that's what we discussed there. But that's yeah, you know, it's it's about time I will say because it was built into Monterey at the beginning, so we were expecting that more around October. But glad that it's here now, and excited to fool around with it and see if it is everything that we were hoping and dreaming it would be. Yeah, we're going to enforce everybody to Monterey by the end of the month, so it'd be handy to use that instead of my old script. <laughs> Yeah, those old scripts aren't aren't super fun. <laughs> well, I also it just doesn't work as good as it used to either. I mean, trying to enforce updates, it just seems to be hanging more than it used to and weird stuff. Well, and on the M1s, the only way we've been able to consistently do it is install a 12 gigabyte installer with everything. Oh, and there was that one security update that came where Apple released it super quickly and then didn't release it into the base installer. So we weren't able to update it that way for like a week. Um, anyway, yeah, so glad they're, they're making things easier. Um, any other updates that anyone else has? All right, I'll move on. Um, Apple updates. Uh, so the latest versions as of today, iOS and iPadOS 15.2, macOS 12.1. Um, 
I did not spend a ton of time researching this. Um, so I, I haven't really seen anything or heard of anything through the woodwork that's that much different about either of these updates. Uh, does anyone have any comments about the recent macOS or iOS updates? All right, I will move on from that then. And stepping out of macOS and Jamf, uh, anything else that's just interesting and relevant that someone wants to talk about? So, you know, basically I want to discuss with you guys regarding the printer. Are you guys having issues with the printer like, you know, uh, if you're if you're managing like printer logic agent or uh, some kind of like uh, <clears throat> the network printers because we we came across uh, a weird issue where if you add the printer locally it works fine and mm -hmm. basically like uh, the hp vendor they recommend like you have to do the changes in the caps right i think it's uh, the cups right yeah that mm -hmm. was a protocol right so do you guys like uh, are having issues in the network printer because we came across this issue and still we are working on it. Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen anything recently. Um, I, but that might also be because a lot of our users still aren't in the office. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't know if a ton of people are printing. And most people have yeah. the printers probably already mapped to their computer. Because mm -hmm. how we typically do it through Jamf is just deploy the, the printer IP addresses, map them that way. And then once they're mapped, they're mapped on their computer. Um, is that how you're doing it? No, actually, that's not the way because uh, in our, basically what we do, we have the printer logic automation agent, right? And mm -hmm. we have the printer logic uh, server console. And they're basically what we do, like, you know, uh, we test the printers depending on the location and depending on the, uh, the profile, right? And then once we test locally on the device, then basically we push, we push the like uh, kind of drivers or kind of, profile to the to the machine and then it, it maps automatically or we inform users like to go to self-service and they they map it from the uh, policy itself so it's yeah. not ex it's not like you know basically we have to map with the ip address it's kind of like on-premise thing right where you have to test on the server side depending on the locations so we have kind of complexity because we have a lot of locations and then we have to figure out like for which profile what drivers it requires and what exact agent is required so kind of tricky thing you know sometimes yeah um so the way we do it is we just deploy the package we, we deploy the packages for all the printer drivers that users could potentially need so that's typically like the all the hp drivers um all the xerox drivers and then any other lexmark or any other printers that we might have in that client's environment we deploy all those at once so they have all the drivers they need um, and then we map everything using uh, jamf admin uh, via the IP address. So we'll, well, I'll take a, a test computer, connect to the VPN, mm -hmm. and then map every computer, every printer that they have in their environment, which might be like 100 printers. I'll map that on a test computer via IP address. Um, and then you've got like this one computer that has 100 printers on it. Um, and then I go into Jamf Admin and I grab all those printers 
because Jamf Admin will grab all the mapping information for that, um, like where the driver is and all that other stuff, everything that you've mapped on the computer. Um, so I grab those in Jamf Admin, and then all of them are in Jamf Pro, and then I throw them all into self-service, and then I'll organize them by uh, which location they're in. Uh, so the users will only see the one for their specific office. Got it. Um, Thanks so much. So you may see some more success from that, um, but I'll reach out to anyone else. Is anyone else having any issues with printers lately? Was this regarding printer logic? Yeah, printer logic as well as the HP printers on the on-premise. So like both are different issues. For the printer logic, like we are able to figure out the issue. So it was a kind of like uh, the agent. If we have to upgrade the agent and it works. But the second issue is about the HP. So as I mentioned, like uh, we have uh, we have the HP on on like kind of printers on the server, and uh, basically what the re vendor recommend that uh, we have to upgrade the profile on the cups, right? So I just want to know, like, uh, do you guys use LPD? Like, how if someone is managing the, the on-premise base printer or like the network printers, what exactly is the approach? Like, you know. What Christopher mentioned, I think that that's the best thing, but I think it only applicable like if you have the just IP based printers, right? Mm, or when you require yeah. the yeah. Mm, okay. But if you don't have the IP base, then I think it's a kind of tricky, right? We use a uh, DNS uh, entries for all of our printers. Okay. And how do you like how you map the, the DNS based like uh, is it like uh, dynamic or is it a static? Or do you have subnets for, for those things? Well, reservations, TCP reservations. Okay. Got it. Um, it kind of helps whenever printers are getting moved around, so we don't have to reconfigure them very often. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So Hector, when you're so when you're mapping them through Urban, you're sending them through Jamf. Are you using kind of the same system I'm using, where you'll map them all on one test computer, and then use Jamf Admin to grab those mapping instructions? Or are you doing it a different way? Um, initially, uh, I work in the K-12 environment. Um, we used to do everything through Jam, um, but then um, our printer admin found the printer logic solution. So she maintains that now using the, our new printer logic solution, but just not for okay. a Mac, but for Mac, Windows, Chromebooks. Gotcha. Kind of takes the responsibility out of my hands. Now it's in yeah. someone else's. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, I've always done it through Jamf. Um, what what uh, solution are you using specifically? Uh, printer Logic. Oh, Printer Logic. Is oh, you're using solution. Printer Logic. Okay, got it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think like your approach is different. Like we never use reservation or DNS. I think so. I can talk to my compliance team. Might be they can agree with this approach. Cool. Um, well, any other questions that anyone else has about anything? Comments? Cool. And I'll give a second to ch anyone to chime in to the chat with any feature requests that they want people to upvote. Um, we have a large group of people here that can upvote things if you have a cool feature request. Uh... So one of the things we're looking at at my org, um, this is Todd, by the way, uh, okay. is that uh, 
we are wanting to enforce anybody who writes anything to a USB drive to be encrypted. And um, yeah. I'd have to go, I'll have to go look and see if I can find the feature requests. But CrowdStrike has a feature request in because right now they can do read only USB, but they've got a they've got a feature request in to get it managed to so that you can say if they're going to write to a USB, it has to be an encrypted USB drive and to store the recovery key, I think is what I put in for the asked for on their open feature request. And then Jamf Protect has the ability to use, um, to, to enforce you to encrypted USB drives or the rest of them get mounted read only, but they don't do any storage uh, features. So there's one out there for that too, but it's been a month or two since I've seen those. But if anybody else is interested in that kind of thing, I know both CrowdStrike and Jamf have, have open feature requests that could be upvoted on that. I'll post them in the Slack if I can find them. Please yeah, do. definitely. Yeah, that'd be great. I would love to see. I, I recently had a Jumpstart client asking about something almost exactly like that. And I said that, you know, I showed what, what's being deprecated through configuration profiles in Champ Pro, and I didn't know of a third-party solution. So yes, I, I, have, I have an entire army of people that will help, help you upvote that. Okay. Yeah. I'll go post those. Cause like, like I said, it's a really, it's a neat feature that protect has and realistically the stuff that CrowdStrike's doing is using the same API that protects using. So, and you know, my company's already using CrowdStrike and if we didn't have to spend another $60 per seat, it would be nice, but um, yeah, that's a, that's a good, I'll get it out there. I'll find them both. Yeah, that'd be great, Todd. I'd upload that as well. Um, anyone else have any other feature requests? Awesome. Well, I will turn this over to Chad. Um, before I do that, Chad, um, as you guys probably know, we post a lot of these on our YouTube channel. Um, and Chad, I slacked you, but just wanted to make sure. If you could just like startup voice memo are you using your phone during the presentation chad yeah if you could just you're you're already uh recording on your phone i already started the recording on my phone i saw awesome. i saw your message on that yeah i perfect, actually it's funny after we talked i have a zoom one of those um really nice digital recorders uh oh, podcast my wife and i did right if only i could find it if i so for next time i'll be ready for that I'll, I'll send you a microphone next time. Yeah. <laughs> I, as I'm listening to people like talk here, I'm like, yeah, the audio through Zoom isn't 100% great, especially when you get into these large meetings. So it'd be nice to have some safety audio for later. Cool. Awesome. You're already on it. I'll turn it over to you, Chad. All right. Let's just see how this works the way I want it to. If all goes well, right now you are just seeing me, correct? All right, and slightly zoomed in. All right, I am going to resize this window so I can see other people. That's the, for me, the fun thing with Zoom is trying to then, when you're in a meeting, trying to get everything all positioned so you can actually communicate with people. All right, now I can see you. Uh, so yeah, today I wanted to talk about uh, the tool that I've created is uh, one called Server Map. And uh, we have it on, we have, it is extremely alpha and I have it on our 
our GitHub. Uh, but I wanted to kind of talk through the entire process that came to this and the whys and also kind of roll it into that new year, new you type of, of situation with it being, being our new year, our first presentation of the year. Um, I, I, I've been dealing for the last couple of years of trying to get a lot more organized. And one of the books that I've been reading lately is called Atomic Habits. And one of the concepts that they preach within the book is that it isn't about necessarily trying to come up with the things, trying to come up with the tasks, trying to come up with the goals. It's about building the workflows, um, building those, those systems that get you to where you want to be. You know, everybody that goes into a particular sporting event, their goal is to win. It's the people that start developing the systems to get better, to continue to move forward, that end up having the best results and end up being the ones that win. Uh, the other the other book that I uh, recently uh, read was um, talking about the idea of this is for in my own little world of ADHD. Although I'm I know some of you also relate from previous conversations. Um, that idea of and and this is also true for anyone that deals with procrastination in general. But getting that inertia going. And so when one of the things that we do at Rocket Man, whenever we start working with a client is uh, something called the health check. And we also then will uh, do a similar type of thing. Let me switch over here. Um, somewhat more uh, frequently is take a look at, and I'm just doing a quick skim. I know a lot of you have actually seen one of these presentations done by Chris. Uh, Otherwise, but we go through and look at everything within Jamf and look for things that are potential concerns, uh, whether or not certificates are set up, VPP expiration dates. We make note of everything we find, not just things that um, have real problems, but potential problems. Uh, and a lot of that work comes from having to do a lot of those same types of things over and over and over. It's going through, and if you've ever tried to do any sort of, and I know you have, of going through a Jamf Pro server and saying, okay, I have these policies, they're deploying this thing. Let's go and see which package this is. And you have to move from packages to policies. You have to move from that, from you know, go into settings, go into computer management, look at your components, come back to the policies. Look at your smart groups, look at your configuration profiles. What's mapped to what? It's a lot of back and forth. And wouldn't it be great if there was some way we could simply pull all that information to ourselves uh, in one nice little pane of glass. And because as the reason Chris called on me to do um, talk about that, the API and the tokenization of it is uh, he joked, I don't know if it was in one of these meetups or where it was that if, if, if given the opportunity, uh, I would probably use, never use the Jamf Pro API, uh, web interface ever. If I could find a way to do everything through the API, I darn well would. Um, and the, so the classic API has done me a lot of good. Uh, Larry Wall, the creator of Perl, uh, jokes, of, had this famous quote about, there are three properties uh, or three qualities of a good programmer, laziness, impatience, and hubris. And he emphasized that laziness is not talking about you don't want to work. It's you don't want to do the same remedial boring stuff over and over and over. Impatience referring to not just needing to get that information right now, but you don't have time to wait for somebody else to do. You just, you need to get it done. You need to be moving forward and working on the next thing 
or the next 10 things that are coming at you. And hubris, that idea of not only could I do it, but I could do it better. And so those three qualities make up somebody that, that could become a good programmer to say that none of the tools that are out there right now do what I want them to do. I'm going to make a better tool. Um, a few years ago, um, why am I blanking on his name? Bill Smith, Talking Moose, gave a presentation at JNUC and he talked about his idea of not best practices, but better practices. And he said that he's all, he's all for people that, that wanna, um, that say, I don't like the way you do stuff as long as you are willing to come up with a better solution and be prepared to back it up. And I know a couple of you saw my presentation at JNUC this year where I, I referenced, it was uh, standing on the shoulders of giants and his was one of the presentations I specifically highlighted and talked about that I had found a couple of what I thought were and what we at Rocketman have implemented as what we think of better practices on top of some of his. Uh, and I've got a couple more toward the end of this that I'm gonna highlight. But uh, rather than doing my usual Chad Lawson rambling, why don't I pop back over here? So the, and, and uh, if either Chris or uh, if somebody, if, if a fellow Rocket Man member would be kind enough to put this URL in the chat, I'd appreciate it. This is the tool that I came up with. Thank you. The, this, it's right now the, the version that I have out here, you can come and get, and this is still, notice I have labeled it as 0.1 alpha. When I tell you this is alpha, I mean it. Um, this is a very remedial thing that, as of right now, I've only used a handful of times in, in our own work. Um, I haven't tried, Chris has tried it, Hugo's tried it, um, and we always kind of find some little thing that isn't perfect. So I'm very much looking for, as we're putting this out there to see if, it's, if it provides some help to anybody. And uh, if anybody has any suggestions on how it could be better or which there's huge amounts of room for improvement. Well, great, Chad, this is fantastic, but what is it and what does it do? Um, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna come back to this. I first wanna jump over to the terminal and actually show what it does. Um, so server map is a tool meant to be able to look at your, go through all the different main components of a Jampro server, your policies, your configuration profiles, your static and smart groups, packages, scripts, extension attributes. I'm sure I'm missing other things. And it looks to see which things are active, which things are being actively used and deployed and referenced, and which things may just be cruft. They, they're, they're not currently being used. Um, is that because you're testing it or because you upload a newer version and forgot all about it? Um, so I'm going to... And I am very much a command line guy. I have not bothered getting around to creating a UI version of it. And I don't know if I will anytime soon. Uh, L for login. What did I call this? Uh, help check. And I keep changing the password on this and I'll be changing again now. So don't count on this being, being anybody who's thinking about being malicious with this. So giving it username, password and URL, it then 
Uh, and this is entirely written in Python and it's quote unquote compiled. It's been, it's using uh, technology to freeze your code. So it may, so as if Python wasn't slow enough being an interpreted language, um, this makes it even slower having to load up all the particular components. And that's another reason that as of right now, I am only putting out the executable itself. Um, I'm dealing with, if, if you've ever tried deploying various versions of Python, especially in the Mac environment and different Python libraries under different environments, it can be somewhat problematic. So I'm taking, I'm taking one possible issue out of the equation and only putting out the executable for now. So now that it's gone through all this, uh, what has it done? It starts off, and it was funny because I put this initially into my um, uh, to-do list for the future, only to then find out that I'd already written it, didn't even know it. Um, it looks and goes through a list of all of your policies and says, what policies do you have that are currently disabled? I mean, that's something relatively easy to see when you just look at uh, the policy list in Jamf, but um, you know they can be spread out. This gives you one nice look. And whenever you're looking through this output, something that has uh, confused confused my companions, uh, the numbers in parentheses at the end of this refer to the object ID. So if we're talking about disabled policies, this is the policy ID 53. This policy right now, and a lot of the stuff because this is our testing environment, a lot of these are testing pieces. Then it goes through and says, all right. Of all of your scripts, what scripts are actually being used? All right, the easy button script that has a, a script ID of one is being used by a policy because scripts are only used by policies. I didn't bother uh, labeling it. A policy SS colon easy button. Um, and going back to that thing that I just mentioned about Bill and his idea of better practices. Uh, we do a lot of when we're working with customers, our policies that are self-service that are customer that are that are that are just there to be self-service policies. We start with something like SS colon or self colon. SS has become our nice little shorthand because that way, when you're creating a self-service policy, there's the display name that you see within Jamf Pro, but under the self-service tab, there's the name that the customers, the end users, will see, and we can give that a better name. So this way, we can identify within that display name what helps us and then give something better for our, our people to be able to see. So whenever you're looking through the output of this, it tells you what, what script is being used by what policy. Uh, I was looking for, I know there was one when I tested this out. All right, I had I thought if you see it shouted out, I'm not seeing where a particular script is being used by more than one policy. Um, if there is more than one, it will display it. Like you might have a particular script for, for example, deploying printers and using like LP admin based scripts to map a bunch of printers, you might use that same script with different parameters in multiple policies. Uh, after that, it then comes up the list of all of your orphan scripts. These are scripts that you still have in Champ Pro that are not currently being used by any policies. They're just sitting there, potentially cruft. Now, what I don't have in this version and I'm considering, so keep this in mind as you're writing up things for the quote unquote issues on GitHub. If you have any suggestions on this, um, the, the big trick when I went to then do a follow-up to this, this is meant just to be a first step. This isn't meant to be the be all end all report, though maybe it will get there. 
This is step one. So when I brought this up a couple of days ago and first was testing it, turns out a lot of these scripts are sitting in a, are, have a category of either testing or deprecated or quarantined, meaning they're not intended to be active right now. I should potentially put in some note um, about what category they're in. And, and like I said, if anybody has any particular thoughts on, I'm looking, I'm, I'm still trying to come up with, and I would love some guidance, some on coming up with a fairly, I want a nice clean format, something that I can look at visually in plain text, but maybe also could be pasted into uh, Excel or numbers or some other system to be able to nicely format it, you know, some different report format. Um, so uh, I will look for that later. After that, it's much more of the same. What packages are in use and by what pieces? What packages are just sitting idle? And if you're like me, if you're like us, this or in most of our customers, this happens to a lot of people. You wind up with multiple versions of Google Chrome, for example. Sorry, that one's a preferences package. Um, and there was another one down here. And the, you know, the trick comes from there are two different ways to upload new packages. I mean, you can upload the new version of Chrome right over the top of the old one. And the nice thing then is that any policy pointing to package 33 now gets the new package. I don't have to keep remembering to take the new version of Chrome, go to the pol any policy that deploys Chrome and change it to this new package, just laying it right over the top of it. The downside is it means I don't have that old version to, if I wanna keep in my back pocket for that one in a million time, and it's been a couple of years where I push out say Chrome and suddenly for a school's testing um, site, everything breaks because Google tweaked their JavaScript interpreter and I now need to roll back to the last version, but I already got rid of that package. So I have to then find the previous version and push that out. Um, so there are a lot of reasons to potentially keep around orphan packages. And much like I just said for the, for the I, was, I was very grateful in our environment to see and again, ours is a testing environment that um, most of these were already marked deprecated or quarantined. So we already knew they were getting ready to go away. They're not sitting in among applications or, or um, um, you know, departmental apps or any one of our other categories onboarding, anything that's, that's meant to be deployed to everybody. Uh, and we just don't know what it's there for. But that's what this script is meant to do is to identify what's a potential problem, step one. After that, I do the same thing with extension attributes. And then this was one of the trickier ones to write because it, the, the one thing that Jamf does really well it, when it comes to deleting an object, if I go to delete a package, at least as of a couple of weeks ago, it won't tell me that that package is in use anywhere. I delete the package, all that happens is that policy now has removed that. So if the policy was install package, update inventory, now it's just update inventory. And if that's scoped to a smart group based on that package, I have nothing keeping that up to date. And this policy could run and run because all it's doing is updating inventory and it's never changing the criteria of that smart group that is driving the policy, that is scoping the policy. Um, so nothing stops me from deleting a package, a script that is already in use, 
But if I go to delete a group and that group is a dependency of another group, well, now Champ will not only warn me about it, it won't let me do anything until I first take care of the other one. Um, so in this case, take this macOS Big Sur cache uh, smart group. It is being used by both this policy and this particular group. So I wanted to be able to not only identify um, policies these things were being used. Oh, and there should be one in here. There we go. Take exclusions, for example. Exclusions also identifies any configuration profiles that are using that one. So whereas the scripts only identified policies deploying it, packages only identified policies deploying them, groups are such a key hub of everything we do within Jamf um, that th this will identify uh, every policy subgroup and configuration profile using it. And then it will identify the orphan groups, the groups that I did not find, that the script did not find being attached anywhere. And this was our second big better practice, I'll call it. Bill in his presentation highlighted the importance of really thinking about categorization and taxonomy of how you name things. Um, he had a fairly uh, strong view on the idea of only look instead of instead of looking for needs the latest needs newest Chrome. His smart groups look for has latest Chrome, and then he scopes his policies to everybody, excluding the ones that already have it. Look for the finished condition and build up to that. The problem that I would run into it is human nature doesn't necessarily work that way. And if this was simply my Jamf environment, as a lot of it for you, it can be your Jamf environment. With us, where we are working with other teams, not everyone thinks in that direction. And it's more natural to say, find me the problems. Needs Chrome update. Needs File Vault encrypted. Um, needs security update. If I look for the things that I need, then I'm building, I'm, I'm one smart group can do two things. One, I can pin it to my dashboard. And when I, hopefully when I log in, I see a row of little zeros across the top. Nobody in needs file vault, nobody in needs security update, nobody here, everything's fine. But the minute I see a non-zero number, that little one pops up in my dashboard. I can click on that number, see who's in violation and build up to fixing it. Um, but also there may be smart groups I'm using not for the purpose of driving a policy or driving a configuration profile, but simply there to pin to my dashboard. So when I'm looking for using my, my script uh, or any sort of API type tool, I get a list of, of these groups that are not currently in use. Well, we have as part of our better practice, if you will. We start our, a lot of our smart groups with either M colon or S colon monitor or scope. If it's a scope, if this group's purpose is to drive our workflow forward, we give it S colon. So we know when I look at this list, M colon groups that are not in use, it might just be that somebody's got a pin to their dashboard and that's fine. 
but if it says S colon, then it was originally designed to be scoped. And if it's still here, what's it being used for? So that's what this script does. It's meant to be, like I said, this is not your be all end all of telling you in a glance everything wrong with your server, but this is meant to be step one and saying, all right, here's what I know, take this to the next step. And with that, I can always pop back over as people, actually, let me pop back to this for a moment just so I can have the URL. I saw that it went up in the chat, but are there any questions or concerns about this at this time? Cool. Uh, Chad, uh, I wanted to pop in quick and as the perspective of the biggest user of this script currently, uh, that may change soon. Um, but what, why do I love using this script? And I've been using this script for um, about a year now, maybe over a year. You've actually made this a while back. Um, but why is this script so great? Well, right now we're looking at a testing server, but if you have a server with a thousand packages, a thousand scripts, a thousand policies, a thousand smart groups, and you didn't build all those yourself, and not even one person built it, a whole team of people built it, and some of those people might no longer be there anymore. Well, you've got an issue with trying to clean up the server or even see what's happening. So first of all, this gives some visibility on what's going on in the entire environment. And then it gives you an opportunity to clean things up in a way that's safe. So if you imagine if you have a thousand of all those different things floating out there, and this all builds into this like massive workflow that you're using inside of Jam Pro, you have no clue if you can delete anything in here unless you go through to each individual policy and see if that package is in something in the workflow or that script is in something in the workflow. And that is a daunting task when you have a thousand of everything. So this script allows you, you to see very quickly which packages are orphaned. If it's orphaned, I can delete it. I know 100% that if I delete that package, it will not affect anything in our workflow. Same thing with any orphan scripts. I can delete that script and it will not affect anything in our workflow. Uh, same thing with smart groups that aren't necessarily scoped anything. If they're orphaned, I can delete those smart groups and it's not gonna start changing the scope on all the different computers and start installing things on random computers or not installing things that need to be on new computers that are provisioned. Um, so that's where all of this in a server that's not already really well organized, this can be an incredibly useful tool to get things started to get organized from there. I did a presentation a, a while back about documenting in Jam Pro, and other people have done presentations like that too. Chad, you mentioned the talking moose one as well. Um, that's something that I think is incredibly important and you should start doing now if you're not. But if you need to get things to a place where you gotta do a little bit of comparing cleaning, this script can be an, a really useful tool to get there. Um, so yeah. That's my little two cents about this. Um, but yeah, let's uh, open it up to any questions or comments that people have. Um, Hector asked if this script is for computers only. Um, yeah, I think 
Chad, you just wrote it for, for computers, not iOS, right? Correct. At this point, yeah. Um, at this point, this was just for our computer side. The majority of what we've been doing is focused in that regard. Um, another thing, if you want to tag that into issues, if this is something that would benefit you, if you could see uh, a use of that for the iOS side of things, if, if that's going to be one of your heavy lifting objects, please throw that into the issues section as a feature request, and uh, I will see what I can do. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say, Hector, the reason I haven't requested that Chad makes this for the iOS side yet. Which is the entirety of my feature request for the last year. Yeah. <laughs> um, the only reason I haven't requested that is because iOS is a lot easier to see what's happening. Um, because there's not multiple components that are all linked together. So when you're working with policies, you can have scripts in them. You can have packages in them. You can have um, doc items or other things. So there's so many different components that's part of a policy. Whereas on the iOS side, you have a configuration profile. And there's nothing else built into the configuration profile except exactly what's in it, right? Uh, same thing with Mac App Store apps. There's no other components of that besides what's built in and I can see it all right from there. And I can see whether it's scoped or not scoped anything. Uh, the smart groups, though, I guess would be useful to see, like, is this smart group actually scoped to something or not? So that, that would be a valid reason to bring that in on the iOS side. And I wanted to check, uh, I was, I hadn't seen chat while I was presenting. Um, Sean, you had written that you had a, a error. Um, can I ask what, what, what popped up? Because I do know that, yeah, there's, if you don't give it exactly what it needs, um, it, I don't have the best error group handling right now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I put it in the, uh, in your um, Git, GitHub there. So with the error <laughs> output. Yeah, I don't, I, I'm not properly. Yeah, if you, uh, so if you download the, you can download, uh, oh, that's right, I stopped presenting. I'm like, why isn't that switching cameras? Um, yeah, you can either download the entire zip file or you can go over to releases and just grab the particular uh, executable. You might need to, and it's been a while since I pushed out a newer version for Chris to play with. I don't remember if we had to deal with um, removing quarantine from it. Okay. Yeah, because I that's where I just got the, the downloaded. So I do have the uh, 0 0.1, 0 0.18. So I, yeah. yeah, and yeah, um, so yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad somebody was trying it while we were doing this. We could see, so we could kind of get a little more input right now, rather than just saying, okay, there's the tool. We'll talk to you later. And, you know, the fact that it could be days or weeks before we get some, some feedback. Um, yeah. If you, if, if clearing the quarantine doesn't work, uh, here we go. Yeah. Creating tables, server map models. Okay. Um, Getting scripts. Okay, so it's complaining. Um, what are you giving for your URL? If I I know you you obfuscated it for a reason, and I definitely don't want your password. Oh, uh, it's something that's mentioned in the. It's worth noting that it the account only needs to be auditor level. It's all read only. Um, but you do have to be very precise on stuff like you got the HTTPS. I noticed, but like yourinstance.champcloud.com. Anything beyond that, I can't, you know, because it starts getting really twitchy. I used to have to require, and it drove crisp bonkers when I was requiring the JSS resource component. Okay. Yeah, because we have a port number at the end, so I'll take that out and try it. Okay. Yeah, let me uh, 
Let me go ahead and just do this, Chad. Over here. I thought we tested like it with, with one of our customers that has a port number situation. Mm. Oh yeah, are you? Uh, are, so Sean, are you on prem? Yes, I am. Mm. Yeah. So I, I think you would just put a colon eight four four three at the end. So your Jam Pro URL would be like yes instance dot well it would be jampro.com colon eight four four three yeah, and this would be and, and you don't put the trailing slash right chad i don't think it matters but uh i it shouldn't matter but you built in lab logic either way yeah sean yeah. did you choose that when you did yes i did okay now, i still need to do chamad when i do it yeah, so did right, I. Chad. Okay. See why this is still listed as alpha? <laughs> Let's see. Oh, you just downloaded the new and the newest one. Yeah, so I just want to try it out. So yeah, I'll do this. Um, dash L. Or no, dash U. Yep. And then dash L. Yeah, I need to, login. while you're typing that in, I one of the things I definitely need to do is I need to, in fact, this will be in the next version that I, if you're, if, if you've, if this is of interest to you and or you've already downloaded it, also please do the, click the button watch for the GitHub. Yeah, okay. That's, that I expect. Um, just do the, um, uh, you can either go into security, system, uh, security and, privacy yeah. and system preferences, or um, it's a what, XATTR command for, uh, yeah, I think it's an XATTR to remove it, yeah. Um, so but, yeah, but I I'm might gonna, have to do I'm a gonna, anyway. XATTR-D or quarantine or whatever. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. Uh, what I need to do is, the next thing I need to put in for some error checking, the first thing I need to put in for some decent error checking is clearly what you're getting here is uh, it's attempting to down uh, to parse JSON. I'm just simply assuming that the query worked. The get didn't work, and it's bombing on the fact that the only result was probably like a what would that be? 40 or 50, 501, 502. Yeah, that's perfect, Bruce. Thanks. Okay, cool. So yeah, but I wish Chris, do we? Um, can you think of, do we have somebody, a server that we have access to that includes a port number? Um, no. Okay. And no, I was no, going to no. say, before you do that, please, uh, please stop sharing. But yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So, well, um, I mean, I can try. I wonder if this will work. I don't think it will. But Sean, I think you be... all you should need to do is put colon 8443. Just like that, yeah. and it should work. I'm going to put colon four four three, but I'm not sure if that'll work. Um, well, we'll find out in a second. But um, Sean, would yeah, it, it be possible works. to give us a? Would it be possible to give us and or at least to give out a a auditor account or even an account? I'm trying to figure out if there's a way you can give me an account that would we, be. We can set up safe. a. Yeah. Yeah, if you wanted to, Sean, we could set up a a, a separate meeting with you and yeah. screen share. I would uh, love to get to try to troubleshoot this with you. Yeah. Does it have to be auditor? Because I'm in min. I'm using the min one. 
No, it's it, fine too. Yeah, it yeah. needs. I just need. I need the read on every single object that that I query. I could actually write out something that says you only need these ten objects, but it's easier to just say make it auditor. Yeah. So yeah, still working with the colon eight colon four four three. So. Yep, uh, that that should be working. Yeah. And so, I mean, uh, yeah, we can we can uh, work with you offline, Sean, if you want, and we can yeah. take a look at what's happening there. Yeah, I would love that opportunity. Yeah. But I'm already I'm 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 I just heard my mail ping, and I know it's not it, but somehow my brain immediately went to somebody's filed an issue already, haven't they? <laughs> Cool, I know we're getting towards the end of our time. Any other question, comments, concerns? Well, I just wanted to say, I think this is a great tool um, because I am still the only uh, Jamf server admin and I've got now seven, soon to be eight of these things. So uh, this will be very useful because it takes me sometimes hours to go through all these packages. And all I'm really doing is I'll go in there and, and uh, I first look over every single installer policy to make sure they've got the latest package in them so that whenever I delete those packages out of Jamf admin, they're not going to obviously break the policy. And I also have to do the same thing for the patch management too. So it takes a while to get it all done. And I would really love it if I could have a better view of what's uh, of what all these things are attached to. Because for one thing, it'll, it'll point out to me, did I really update that that installer policy the last time I updated uh, the latest Chrome because every once in a while I find where I didn't and I'm like damn it what the hell so, yeah but this will uh, this will help out quite a bit I've been pretty happy with it I just I, I ran I ran on one of my servers just now and I found some things I wanted to go in and take care of so this is great I love it thank you for joining us today we have new episodes on the first Friday of every month if you'd like to join our session live visit the link in the description to get on our mailing list. And if you're looking to get the most out of your Jamf server, visit rocketman.tech to set up a meeting with one of our Jamf experts. That's rocketman.tech.